Every single day, we as humans use words to communicate ideas to each other. Recently, I've been made aware of the language that I use and I slowly started noticing that people love to use negative words when expressing themselves. I decided to look at research that had been done on the topic and found an anthropologist named Robert Schrauf that completed an analysis of men in two age groups, one in their 20s and one in their 60s. He conducted this experiment in Mexico and in the United States and found that with age, the preference for negativity didn't decrease over time. In fact, after analyzing languages all over the world, he found that all languages only have seven words in common, and only one of these words is positive, which is joy, and the rest were all words that had negative connotations. I'm Rangi Dube, and welcome to How to Be Less of an Asshole, a channel where self-awareness is the only answer to our problems. This podcast aims to look at human behavior through the lens of history to better understand how we've become the people we are today with hopes of inspiring you to do the same. This week, I talked with my friend Kirsten about why we choose to express ourselves from a negative place and how this creates the lives we live. I was lucky enough to be made aware by you and others that I used to use a lot of negative words to express myself. And the more I thought about it, the more that I realized that a lot of my thoughts were formed and processed this way as I was mainly operating from a place of scarcity or not having enough. I told you about the research that I found and the author of the study pointed out that our language evolved this way because we started using words to protect ourselves and to keep ourselves safe. So the first thing I want to ask is what is something that you've noticed as a general rule in the way that people express themselves? Uh, it's it's a good question. I'm going to um, take an example from my, a little example from my life and um, talk about that just to get myself started on the topic. So two of the works that I do are I'm a yoga nidra guide and I'm a sound healing therapist. And in both of those places, we use intention. And so it's really common for me to say to someone, come with an intention. And we're going to use that intention in your process of healing, whatever that is for you. And I give some guidelines around how to find your intention and how to create your intention. And it's really common for people to come with something like, I am pain-free. So we'll say that they're having pain in their body and what they want out of the work that they're doing is for that pain to go away. And so you can see how they're using the negative. They're bringing the pain into the situation rather than choosing words like, I am healthy. Let's say I am healthy versus I am pain-free. And so it's it's so common for us to express ourselves through choosing the negative, negative. Why do we do that? This is interesting. It, it's, um, I'm glad that you did this research to look this up and it makes sense that our language has been around obviously for a long time and that when we first started developing language, we were likely using it to maintain our existence, to keep ourselves safe. And that through the eons that has obviously survived. And maybe part of our journey here right now in um, the existence of humans 
is to recognize that and to identify that. Because a a big part of my job as a, a yoga ninja guide is to point that out to people and try to give them language uh, or show them ways to express that put out the energy of abundance and put out the energy of... um, I think it's saying what you want instead of what you don't want. What you don't want, yeah. And, And so for people to see that their form of expression is around is is more of expressing what they don't want than what they do want. And I mean, I do definitely see people, let's use the example of someone who's coming up to their retirement and they've been spending, let's say from the time they're 15 to the time they're 65, probably doing something that's not really what they want to be doing. And so it's habitual now to do things that they don't want to do. And they're looking down the barrel of retirement and sad to say, but there's a lot of people that commit suicide shortly into their retirement. And I think a contributing factor to that is that they don't even really know what they want. It's been so long since they've had the opportunity to design their life or choose to do what they want to be doing that they've completely forgotten what it was. And some people are like, oh, well, what did I want to do before? So then we go back to our childhood. What did I like doing when I was a child? Like I liked playing on the monkey bars. Um, I liked playing hide and go seek. Probably those are not things that you necessarily like anymore. And we haven't taken the time in our adulthood to develop what it is that we like. So we don't, if we don't even know what it is, how do we express? If we don't know what we want, how do we say what we want? We probably know what we don't want. We probably don't want to go to work five days a week, 40 hours a week. Doing something we don't like. Yeah, there's probably lots of things that we're really clear that we don't want in our life. But really, our society isn't structured so much to to know wholeheartedly what it is that we do want. And so I think we need to take the time. And again, I'm going to, you know, always I'm going to say we should meditate more. We should take the time to do the journaling and the reflection and the sitting quietly, watching our own mind so that we we can identify what it is that we do want because we can't say it if we don't know it. But once we start to know it, then we can find the language to say it. Yeah, I feel a lot of people don't know what they want and I journal and when I go back and read it, you can see it's constantly changing because it's not something that's easy to pinpoint. But I think being aware that I don't know what I want is a good place to start. And I love that you said constantly changing because everything is constantly changing. That's This physical world is a world of change. And if we try and pin it down and say, oh, well, I this is what I want... And we don't honor the fact that three weeks from now, what we want could be entirely different. Then we're we're holding stagnancy. We're not. We're swimming upstream. We've spoken about this before. How life is a struggle, but today's struggle isn't the same kind of struggle that our grandparents had. And I feel that a lot of it again is. The language that we use is based around that we speak like we're struggling, like in the days of before. And one thing that really interests me about this is that the language we use 
keeps us in a state of victimhood, which is really giving our power away. I used to say, I feel anxious instead of, I want to feel calm. When meditating, I would say, I want to stop my thoughts. And if I keep saying, I want to stop my thoughts, my thoughts are definitely not going to stop. And I've used this example in the past from people on social media pages um, where people are talking about relationships and saying that they've been rejected or broken up with. And everyone will say things like, oh, they'll regret it one day or it's their loss. And my question is, how do we shift the way we process our thoughts from that angle to oh, this person broke up with me because they just aren't into me anymore and I wish them all the best. And now I'm going to move on with my life. What's a good practice or something that we can start doing every day to become aware that the language that we use is creating the lives we're living? Oh, okay, can of worms. So uh, I think we've all heard the term fake it till you make it. So I think there's two routes we can take. We can fake it till we make it. So we can be like, okay, every time I hear myself say it like that, I'm going to say it a different way. I'm going to find different words. And I'm going to like basically pretend the calm instead of the anxious. It's not actually how I feel, but I'm going to just do it, do it, do it, and hope that it sticks at some point. And then there's the way of um, slowly over time, shifting the internal landscape and then the language just changes anyways. Like we don't really have to work at changing the language because what's happening on the inside is different. And so what's happening on the outside expresses differently. And I don't know that one route or the other route is right or wrong or better or worse or faster or slower. One might be more relative to one person and the other might be more relative to the other. I've, I think I've done both. I think I went through a period in, in, in my 20s where I was presented with this, this idea of fake it till you make it and, um, you know, do your best to put your happy face on. And I tried it out and, and it helped. Some teachers say like smiling makes you feel better. Just what came first, the chicken or the egg? Or like laughter makes you feel more joyful. So if you feel more joyful, you're going to laugh naturally and, and you're not faking it. But if you can't get to that place, you can fake the laughter and then the joy comes does come after. And maybe it doesn't come to the same degree, but it still comes. And so I think, again, I'm going to say meditate more. More meditation allows us to have the awareness that it takes to do the fake it till you make it part. And also more meditation shifts the internal landscape so that the way we are processing on the inside is healthier. And then the way we express on the outside reflects that healthy inside. So lots of meditation. And when I say lots, that's really subjective, right? If you, if you hear me say lots and you think, oh, I should meditate for like two hours every day, Chances are, if you've never meditated before, what's going to happen is you're going to do it once or maybe twice, and you're going to hate it, and then you're never going to do it again. It's like you decide you want to run a marathon, 
the successful way to do that is to start in little increments and work your way up. Um, the not successful way is to go out and run a marathon to train for a marathon, hurt yourself and never want to do it again. So subjective. If you've never meditated before, then maybe meditating lots for you is committing to five minutes every morning. And then once you've been doing that for a month, maybe you increase it to seven minutes. For someone else, that might mean five minutes in the morning and five minutes at night. It's It really is um, how much can you do it and maintain your commitment. I used to have this feeling against the word meditation where I would think, oh, I can't stop my thoughts, so I'm just not going to bother trying to do it. And I think something as basic as setting a timer on your phone where you sit to just be present and to ask yourself, how am I feeling right now is such a good way to start. And I never thought that I would be someone that meditates or who journals, but the really good thing about journaling is when you go back and read and you can see how you speak to yourself. And I used to think that I had to fix myself and that there was something wrong with me. So that was a good way to start becoming aware of how I talk to myself. And the other thing I want to mention is in the guided meditation we do, we finish off at the end where we put our thumbs on our forehead and we say, I'm conscious of the thoughts that I'm thinking. And then we put our thumbs on our mouth and we say, I'm conscious of the words that come out of my mouth. So even if someone just did that small thing every day, they would start seeing their thoughts. And when I started noticing my thoughts, when I was walking outside in the world, everything was very judgy. But doing something that small will set the process in motion. Yeah, and then there's a level of accountability that comes with it, especially when there's that kind of repetition, when we're, when we're saying something... Um, like I'm conscious of my thoughts, I'm conscious of my words. When we say that to ourselves every day, uh, eventually we are. Again, fake it till you make it. We are. We become conscious of our thoughts and we become conscious of our words. And then there's a level of accountability when when we get to that place. That um, And it takes practice. And being aware that some days you're going to have bad days is also really important because... I fall off the wagon quite a bit, so it's really important to remind ourselves of that part too. Lastly, I just thought about the word wheels that we look at sometimes and the ones that show all the words grouped by emotions. And I've learned a lot of words from you that I had never thought of before. So if you could summarize maybe three words that you think are important to our well-being and that would help us cope with living life, what do you think you would say? I think balance, I think respect, and I think joy. And it's interesting that you ask that question because oftentimes at the beginning of the year, I'll pick a word or two or three that's sort of my my theme uh, moving into that new year. And so, yes, I think, I think you're right. I think that it does shift and it does change and it, and that's where I'm at right now. Um, balance, respect, and joy. Those are things that are taking up space in my radio waves. 
that my awareness is on and that they feel uh, important to the process of evolution that I'm in right now. So for the listeners, I would say if those three words resonate with you, take it. If there's if there's words that come up for you and um, they're there, that's your intuition speaking to you and run with that. If my words don't resonate and nothing comes up immediately for you, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that too. And maybe there's a process of journaling that's waiting for you to sit down and explore what um, what words reflect your arena of personal growth right now, because I think it, it is definitely a unique thing. But to look for that and inquire about what that is and... Um, just do the, the work to explore language is, uh, it's fascinating. And I think it's a, a beginning step for us to recognize the importance of, um, of taking the time that we need to express ourselves accurately and effectively. Thanks for taking the time to listen. And please remember, the language you use creates your reality. But most importantly, Put in the time to create a daily habit that holds you accountable for how you speak to yourself because no one will be kind to you if you first can't be kind to yourself. We'd like to thank the Pretties for providing the music for the podcast and until next time, please remember, kindness is contagious.